Welcome to All Axes, brought to you by Mazak, a podcast where we interview the people helping to shape the future of manufacturing to give you a better understanding of where we're heading and why. We believe that with an understanding of technology, workforce, and market trends, you can always grow your business. My name is Thielen Henderson, and I'll be your host. Joining us today to discuss cybersecurity manufacturing is Pete Zielinski, Editor-in-Chief of Modern Machine Shop Magazine and Editor-in-Chief of Additive Manufacturing Media, both with Gardner Business Media. Hello, Peter. Hi, Thielen. So thanks for joining us today. Oh, glad to. So my first question is, the last handful of times I've been in an airport, which in these last couple of years has not been that many, I have seen a sign that says, manufacturing is the number one target for cyber attacks. And I always scratch my head at that. Is that true? And why? Um, so I've seen that assertion also. And actually, uh, a source I saw for that, uh, TrustedSec, it's a, an information security consulting team. Uh, they reported that as of 2021, uh, the, end of the, the end of 2021, manufacturers had moved into the top category of targets um, as contrasted with other types of businesses. Um, and, and reasons why? Um, uh, so for one, um, manufacturing is a type of business where it is vulnerable to complete interruption if if the the if the data and digital tools are compromised. That's different from other types of businesses. You can imagine other types of businesses being able to limp along and and lumber through if their systems are compromised. Oh right, but I mean because uh, just the nature of machines operating and forming metal, if you cut that, you are completely shut down. And even, um, yeah, and and organization of jobs. We see all the machine tools. I don't think we un- we give sufficient appreciation to how it is data that is driving the whole thing. Another reason uh, manufacturers are an attractive target is because uh, manufacturers frequently are part of a connected system, part of a supply chain. And so if one link in that chain goes down, there's a lot of pressure around that link to get it back up and running and that pressure is useful to these thieves who are doing ransomware type attacks so I, I get who's doing the attacks like are these attacks strictly greed based is it simply just a, a way to make money or is it about disrupting a system or what's the impetus right and and I'm not enough of an expert to know but some uh, facts I've seen, the average uh, ransomware ransom that mm-hmm. was paid by businesses in 2019, the average, uh, three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Uh, in 2020, uh, the average, um, eight hundred thousand dollars. This is from a firm called Risk Source. I'm getting this information. And another point they put out is that um, after those payments are made. In 98% of the cases, they report that the encryption key was delivered and they got all of their all of their data back. So to, oh, the, wow. so to the question of who's doing it, I would say they are business people. Like this is being run like a business and the the promised deliverable is being delivered. So it's it's not vandals, it's thieves who want money and, amongst thieves. and want to maintain credibility of the fact that if you pay the ransom. Them, you will get your stuff back. Ninety-eight percent is a staggering number. I'm fascinated by that. Um, now, do a lot of businesses? Okay, so the numbers we have here, those are of reported. 
do we feel like businesses often report these things? Because there is a stigma of saying you were hacked and of admitting that. And I guess that's why I'm, I'm interested in having this conversation because uh, is there a stigma? Um, yeah, uh, like I think there is, like, like, like let's talk about that for a sec. But yeah. I think the, the larger issue is um, uh, this is a hazard and a threat that manufacturers are insufficiently sensitive to, in my view. And I think the question you just asked maybe gets at part of the reason. There's there's not full visibility into um, just how prevalent this is or how damaging it is, in part because I think, um, I'm not sure if stigma is the right word, but certainly it reflects poorly on the, um, or, or seems to reflect poorly on on the level of control and, and guardedness and, and security right. of your business uh, as a manufacturer if you can be compromised in this way. So um, are there ransoms being paid and being unreported? Um, we've heard some anecdotes about that. I, how prevalent that is, I don't know, but that, that, there are, that there are companies suffering from this who would prefer it not to be public that they've suffered from this. Like, I think that's definitely a phenomenon that's out there. Yeah, I, I, and I would agree. I mean, I do think it's a bad look to have been hacked. Mm -hmm. But to some degree, that, that brings me to the next point. Like, why are people not preventing this? Like, there are things, there are tools in place to prevent it. Why don't they? Modern Machine Shop speaks to... Um, all manner of facilities that are making stuff with CNC machine tools, right. and that's um, that's uh, maybe large production facilities, and it's it's maybe small job shops. It's an entire range of facilities. So, the answer is probably different among different parts of that audience. But if I'm going to generalize across across um, metalworking part producers, um, why do I think they're um, leaving themselves vulnerable right now. Some some reasons, I believe, um, I think maybe a whole lot of them believe they're too small and that they're not interesting to an attacker or right. a thief like that. Um, I think that uh, many of them believe that they're they're sufficiently behind the curve in networking their facilities that sort of um, that leaves them uh, a little a little bit better protected. They're they're not all that well networked to an extent. That's kind of true, but it's also true that uh, um, manufacturing facilities continuing to advance are are going to continue to follow a path of increasingly networking their equipment and their systems, uh, making their systems more intercommunicative and more interoperable. So um, even if they're not there yet, it's time to prepare now for yeah. the inevitable point where they will be. I think another thing is, though, um, it's a failure of imagination. So a, a manufacturer and the leader of a manufacturing business who is um, consumed day by day with the challenges and the, the pressures of that business, there are certain threats and certain problems they know very well. Um, uh, a tool breaking, a machine going down, like they know how to respond to that and they know how to build their systems to guard against tool breakage. They know how to do preventative maintenance. And, and these are the issues that they, um, they've seen happen and know how to guard against. Uh, uh, these cyber threats are still um, new enough and sweeping enough when they do occur that it's you don't necessarily know the full 
pain of the event and your own vulnerability to it until it happens. And so... But I mean, like, to some degree, there's merit in that. Like, a small job shop might not even see networking as worth the risk. You know, if you don't network, it's much more difficult to be hacked. I don't know that that's a widespread motive. Uh, like I'm going to hold back on on networking my facility as a, a safeguard. Um, there is some of that. There are there are facilities, for example, that do defense related work that they feel like they're just better off not having systems connected. That happens here and there. I think more um, it is it is an investment in not just cost but also time and bandwidth to continue to advance technology and sometimes um, shops could just get really busy with today's success and and don't make that move. Uh, the thing about that is uh, they will continue to succeed and they will want to advance their capabilities and uh, the day might come where they quickly make a networking advance without the protective investment of, of due diligence about these concerns and it's better to start thinking about it now. Yeah. Now, I think it's important to start thinking about, I think it's uh, an insurance policy against it to start talking to your sales reps, talking to your network, talking to people about taking steps. But I will admit that I personally have kind of a pessimistic view on, on all these technologies. And that is, you know, the logic of if you show me a 10 foot wall, I'll show you a 12 foot ladder. The hackers and, 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 and threats are always going to get better. What do you do about that? I mean, how is it just accept that you're eventually going to get hacked? Is that just inevitable or? I guess one response to that is um, uh, decide what redundancies you'll have in place and decide what um, measures you're going to take if it does happen. Um, Almost making a, oh, making a doomsday plan, building the bunker for when it does happen. Here's what we do. Uh, I mentioned the the firm risk source before they were the they were the source for those average ransom payouts and and a, a rule of thumb that I that I saw them give and I've seen it in other places too is the idea of the three two one backup. Um, have three copies of all of your data, including two different media, with one of them stored off-site. And so that sort of speaks to the the um, oh. the, the the fatalistic view that you're offering, Teelan. Like, what if it happens? Well, like backing up all your stuff is a good way to deal with. The, we have the a hard drive in a safety security <laughs> box at a bank, three states down, so we'll be okay. Sure, I yeah. love it. Yeah, got it. So for some manufacturers that are doing, say, defense contract work or some aerospace work, there are already government regulations in place for how they need to store their data, what they can network to, you know, cameras. I think of ITAR as a good example of, of some of these things. Do you think that's going to start happening with more and more job shops? Like, is this something that people should start researching and embracing because it's going to be handed down and mandated? Um, to, for manufacturers close to the Defense Department, this has already started. Um, there's uh, the the DoD uh, advances something called the the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification (CMMC). Um, right now, it is it is compliance is self-reported. It is not auditable right now. Um, but my what I'm hearing is that. 
uh, tier one contractors in the defense supply chain are already asking their own suppliers to demonstrate compliance with CMMC. So uh, the manufacturers I'm encountering who are the most sensitive to this, often it is a result of precisely that pressure, compliance with that certification. Right. So for a shop that is ready to take the plunge, is ready to go ahead and start securing themselves and, and to prepare for this as a possibility, what are the first steps they can take? Um, yeah, so there's uh, there's a nice uh, piece that we posted on MMSonline.com. It's, it's from one of our readers. Uh, Allison Giddens is president of an aerospace manufacturer in Georgia, uh, WinTech. And um, she shared this article, just her thoughts on steps manufacturers can take to, to begin to protect themselves in, in a cybersecurity context. And so much of it is, is common sense. Um, uh, looking around your shop to see what is networked and who has access to digital resources and just sort of beginning to make a census of that to try to begin to identify vulnerabilities. Um, implementing employee training around cybersecurity. I, I work for a company where we get regular cybersecurity training and it's like um, Every time there's another video I have to watch and another quiz I have to take, it's like every employee sort of like rolls their eyes like, oh, I got to do this. But the thing is, it keeps the topic top of mind and that sensitivity is very valuable. Oh, that's a good point because I watch those videos too and I will admit to have rolled my eyes a few times. <laughs> However, it, I do think about it for the next few days. So, yeah. Um, Multi-factor authentication. We're all getting more and more used to it. Um, it's another measure, again, that's been implemented in the the workplace that I'm an employee of, um, you get used to it really fast. And and um, a, a very high percentage of compromises through email, something like 98 or 99 percent, could have been avoided with, with an MFA system as a safeguard. Uh, and then uh, another another point this this uh, this writer offers, and it's to, to your question earlier, Thielen, about what if it does happen, mm -hmm. um, uh, war game out some, some scenarios like if this happens, what are we going to do? Save yourself the cost and perhaps additional damage of some panic and some, some wrong responses by, okay, like if the worst comes about, well, how, how are we going to deal with this? And, yeah. and, and just that kind of planning likely will point to additional vulnerabilities or additional safeguards you can make that probably aren't all that difficult. Great. Well, hey, thank you so much, Peter. Oh, you're welcome. Be sure to subscribe to All Axes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or you can always visit our website at mazakusa.com for the latest episode.